Witness Docs from Stitcher. A note to our listeners before we get started. This story contains descriptions of assault and sexual violence. I'm Natasha Del Toro, and this is Verified. The day of the verdict is finally here. Everything we've heard to this point, everything the women of this story have been through, has all been leading up to this moment. Today, Kate and Maria will learn Dino Maglio's fate. Will he be convicted as a serial predator and put away behind bars? Our senior producer, Dan Bloom, was on the ground in Padua. Dan, how are you feeling that day? I woke up feeling pretty nervous, and I know that all of us had butterflies in our stomachs because we knew the gravity of what was about to happen. But we all had our different ways of dealing with it. Maria was way more internal. She decided that she wanted to stay in her room of the rental apartment, not really interact with anybody too much, and just deal with the stress of it by herself. She was almost inside of this emotional cocoon that she had constructed for herself, and honestly, nobody could blame her at all. Kate, on the other hand, had been eyeing up this beautiful cathedral nearby where we were staying. It was called the Basilica of St. Anthony, and he is known as the patron saint of lost things in Catholicism. And you were there with her? Yeah. I mean, Kate's a really poetic person, so it didn't surprise me she wanted to go there, and I tagged along with her. This morning we went to the Church of San Antonio. I wanted to light a candle for all of us women and all of us um, warriors of justice, if you will. Uh, Instead of lighting a candle, though, we walked around and viewed San Antonio's vocal cords and tongue in a reliquary (laughs) Um, and saw a beautiful statue of this woman clutching a sword and holding the head of a man. So that was the best way to start my day. Okay, so you all get to the courthouse. You're going to hear the verdict. Walk us through what happened when you all got inside that courtroom. Right. So this particular day was Falcone, the prosecutor's day, to deliver his final argument. And that was comprised of the interviews that the reporters from Irpi had done and the continuation of the investigation that his office had taken over. Okay. And what was the crux of his closing arguments? Well, he wasn't really presenting anything totally new. He was just going back over what the judges had already heard and underlining it. Like, it starts with the women giving their stories and giving their testimony. It continued with the Earpy reporters and them telling the court about how they learned about it and how they were able to push it to Falcone's office. And then all of that information was corroborated by the prosecutor's office and the investigation that they had taken upon themselves to do. So it was all pretty formal until this one moment when the prosecutor Falcone just stopped speaking Italian that you or I might recognize and instead slipped into this Venetian dialect that he was brought up speaking and he knows the judges also speak. And he was basically saying, hey, listen, 
you all know this guy's guilty. Let's get real and just finish this thing. So this was just a moment of him dropping all formality. Exactly. I mean, he was trying to make a point, and it was clear, at least to the reporters, that he had done it. So Falcone's wrapped his presentation. Who else is going to speak that day? Well, they kind of passed the baton at this point over to the defense. And Kogo, Dino's lawyer, got up and said, all right, it is now my client's opportunity to speak. And I have basically advised him against this. But and I, these were almost his exact words. I cannot contain him. So Dino was about to let fly with some defense of himself. And Kogo, the lawyer, was trying to stop him, but couldn't do it. Oh. And so Kate and Maria have to listen to him again. Yeah, and it wasn't easy for him. Being very honest, I was just thinking that I wanted to throw something on his head. Obviously, I wouldn't understand most of what he was saying. But first he was speaking with this voice of poor little guy. You know, everyone should feel sorry for him because he's such a victim. But then he was raising his tone and he was acting a little bit mad and like people weren't being fair with him. And from his tone, that's what I understood at least. And I was, I just wanted to hurt him so badly. I I just, I was looking at the chairs like I'm going to go there and I will grab a chair and I will hit him in the back. (laughs) I'm sorry if this is being too much, but it's just what I was feeling all the time. I just wanted to (laughs) do something to him because that was ridiculous. But it was like everything inside of me all... It's coiled up. It's when you look or look at someone or hear someone who has violated you in such a profound way, it's almost unbearable. And and I kept thinking, my, my brain wanted to think about the way his voice sounded six years ago and um, how similar it was to the voice that I remember from that time. I didn't really let myself go there, and I I thought instead about looking forward and being strong. Um, but I would agree with Maria. I've spent a great portion of that time and of my time in that courtroom thinking about all the ways that I would hurt this man. Yeah, it's so frustrating because the judges, they weren't there to know what happened, so... They are, like, deciding which part to believe, but we know what happened. And it's so frustrating to see someone that you know that did something bad to you, but he's still, like, trying to defend himself so convincingly, and you just want to hurt that person. And when, when the person who has raped you turns himself into the victim... Yeah... I think that's the most painful and unjust feeling in the world. Yeah. And this idea about Dino being the real victim in this story, he had found a way to kind of push that idea out even before getting up and giving his final defense in court. A reporter had tracked him down the previous day and done an interview with him, and that was published under the headline, They Call Me a Monster, But I Am Afraid. How did the judges react when Dino spoke? Did they seem moved at all? No. In fact, they hardly reacted at all. 
They just sat there stone-faced. And because of that, it was really hard for us to know what they were thinking or feeling, which way they were leaning in this court case. So right after that, they took a recess for lunch, and we all left to get something to eat, and we were completely in the dark about how this was going to end. Either he's going to get the book thrown at him, and he's going to be found guilty and sentenced to jail, or he's going to be totally exonerated, or maybe something in the middle we honestly didn't know. So we all go to lunch at this cafe near the courthouse. Kate and Maria are sitting there with Kate's Italian lawyers, who are trying to explain what's been going on in the courtroom. So, uh, Falcone was able to find a, a huge amount of evidences and did a good job. Uh, on the other side, um, the defendants uh, did not bring any evidence. All right, so you finished lunch, and now you're walking back to the courthouse to hear the verdict. This is the moment of truth. What was that walk like? We knew that this walk was six years in the making. So as I'm walking next to them, I'm thinking, like, this whole thing just started because Maria needed to get answers about what happened to her at Dino's place. Then she found all these other women, got the Facebook group together. Kate is here. Now suddenly this whole team is together walking towards what we think is going to be the end of this story. I'm feeling very positive, but uh, I'm not feeling ready to hear the final answer. I'm really, 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 really nervous about it. I don't know what my reaction will be if he's not convicted. But I'm feeling positive. I think there's no reason why he shouldn't be convicted. I think... I, I've been feeling empowered for most of the morning, um, given what my lawyers have said and, and um, what they explained during lunch. But my heart's pounding, you know? It's like you think about this moment for so long, and now that it's actually here, it doesn't actually feel like it's happening. Yeah. I think us being here shows the court a lot. Sure, And yeah. my lawyers said that, that... Our presence shows our commitment, and uh, that's what I'm going to focus on. Mm-hmm. And we're here with each other. Yeah. And I think he's afraid. I really think he's afraid. He could have been making all of that up, but I, I think there's fear. And we're the strong ones here. So let's go put him in jail. Let's go put him in jail. Let's go put him in jail. <laughs> So many years waiting for this moment. Six years. I feel like I'm going to throw up. Yeah, me too. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hmm. 
When we came into the court, I felt like I was almost having a heart attack. I was so, 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 so nervous. And then we all stood up for the judge. And uh, I, I was shaking, um, palms sweating, and just focusing on what would happen next. And, and I was expecting us all to sit down and for the judge to give a little bit of a preamble of some kind, uh, some formality, but he kind of quickly walked to the microphone and just read directly from this thin piece of paper. He started speaking very fast. It's not like I imagined it to be. And I was like, what's going on? Is he doing an introduction? Is he already giving the sentence? It felt like such a long moment that would never end. He would never stop speaking and I didn't understand anything. So I was looking at everyone trying to understand what was going on. We were all on the edge of our seats. Julio, one of our Earpy reporters, almost forgot where he was for a second. I started kind of sleepwalking towards the judge. I, I think I made three, four steps towards the court. Like, I wanted to hear better. We are all hoping so much the judge is going to come out and say he's guilty. But we don't speak Italian, so we can't really understand what's happening. And about 10 seconds later, my lawyer whispers in my ear, years. The journalists told us, they translated, and they said he was convicted, and that was the best feeling ever. And I just, <laughs> I keep playing that moment over and over and over again. I, I just got chills again just thinking about it. It was the most amazing feeling in my entire life. And I was trying not to openly sob because I, it was very quiet in the courtroom. <laughs> the judges found Dino guilty. And they sentenced him to 12 years and eight months in prison. Wow. That's incredible. And what was Dino's reaction when he heard this sentence? Well, he looked really stunned. Like, he wasn't screaming and crying like he was really mad. He wasn't throwing his hands up in the air like he was outraged. He just sat there shocked. And his lawyer, Kogo, immediately packed up all of his documents and got his client out of the courtroom as fast as possible. Then the prosecutor, Falcone, comes over and wants to talk to Kate and Maria. He had just won this enormous case, and I'm sure he was feeling validated by the work that he did. And when he came over to Kate and Maria, they jumped out at him and gave him this big bear hug. He was clearly a little bit embarrassed and surprised by that, but he accepted their hug. And then when they separated, he leaned in and said something to them, deliberately speaking in English, so that they would understand him directly, not through a translator. I told them, this is your past. And uh, I told them uh, that uh, they have uh, their life uh, in front of them and uh, they have to, to go to the future. That sounds really sweet that he would come over and, and talk to them like that. And wh what happened next? Well, then we left the courtroom. And as soon as we got outside, I went up to Kate and asked her how she was feeling now. 
Where are the earpee reporters in all this? They had put a lot on the line for a long time to make it to this moment. So they were super happy and actually really surprised because as Italian reporters, they're a very skeptical group when it comes to their own justice system. And they couldn't believe that it had worked so well in a complex case like this. Like in my best wishes, I was thinking about 10 years. And my not wishful thinking was like, oh, he's going to get acquitted. Yes. No. Yeah, really. I was thinking about every every option. Yeah, of course. So yeah, my like, but the best I told was like ten years. I would not expect twelve and eight months. Almost twelve and eight years. months is almost thirteen, which is yeah. almost what a prosecutor yeah. asked. Yeah. For a system that is not officially based on precedence, I really do believe that this verdict would still be very important for the next cases of this kind. And and they, they will refer to this. They will talk about this. And uh, yeah. It's, it's important. It's something important that happened today. Wow, that's, that's huge. Uh, I mean, historic from what he's saying. Did you all at least have a moment to celebrate? Oh, yeah. By the time we got out of court, it was already pretty late in the afternoon, and we headed back to the rental apartment. On the corner was this place that we had all been eyeing up since the day we checked in, but no one had tried it yet. It was a gelateria, and we knew that this was the perfect time for it. Gelato. <laughs> this is fitting that this is the first time I am having gelato in Italy in six years, right at this moment. <laughs> this is going to be the sweetest, most <laughs> exultant gelato of my existence. I think that the most important thing that we did, Maria told me before, she's like, you answer to us and you listen to us because otherwise they would have just given up. But they found somebody that were just there ready to listen, which is what a reporter should do. So we didn't do any miracle. We just did what our job is supposed to be. Listen to people. Seriously, guys. Is no one acknowledging the fact that this is mind-blowing gelato? <laughs> Justice is best served cold. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like no, no, no. Like a gelato. <laughs> Revenge best served in a cone. 
So that moment where we're celebrating with the gelato was amazing, but it was also kind of short-lived because we were all very anxious to get out of Padua. Remember that in court, Dino had taken a picture of Kate and Maria, and that really freaked everybody out. And it was after that that we had decided we're not going to hang around in Dino's backyard. So we decided that the safest move is just to get out of town. But the funny part about us checking out of the rental apartment and trying to leave is that we couldn't find the unlock button for the front gate. So to get out of the garden, we had to literally haul our suitcases up over the iron fence and then physically climb over it. It was like some symbolic final escape from this entire ordeal. So it was hard right until the very end. Of course it was. This story couldn't end any other way. So we all headed to the train station, and we bid our goodbyes to the reporters. They headed south towards Rome. And where did Kate and Maria go? There was really only one place for them to go. It was the same place they were trying to get to six years ago before all of this started. Uh, so we are in Venice currently at our Airbnb, and we just finished a really delicious dinner of pizza, well-earned uh, in the heart of Venice and wandered our way back through the canals and, and little tiny dark alleyways past pigeons and tourists. And we finally arrived at Venice after a long day at court and recapping everything that happened at court. We took a train from Padova to Venice this, this evening. Yeah, I'm glad that we left Padova because now we're in such a nice place to celebrate the day and everything that happened. It was just perfect to come here. Unfortunately, I will not stay here for so long, but it's also good to be back home tomorrow morning. Before we all crash into our beds, Kate and Maria decided they weren't quite ready for this to end, and they wanted to speak to each other one last time. So they pulled up a couple chairs to the kitchen table and held hands as they began to speak. I started this morning in somewhat of a daze. I couldn't fall asleep for quite some time, and suddenly my alarm clock was going off, and I realized that today was the day that my life would likely change forever. It's almost as if life just feels as normal as it always is. There's no trumpets blaring or signs posted everywhere. The sun still rises in the same way. And after the anxiety of the day before, just being so immersed in this story, I was very much ready for some clarity, but I couldn't think beyond. I knew the verdict was arriving, but I couldn't think beyond. I just was only thinking about being there and being present. And going from that state to this state now, where I, I know the answer, and it's the answer I was hoping and dreaming for and have been hoping and dreaming for for six years, I am dazed and disoriented. <laughs> and I I keep finding myself thinking about the delivery of the verdict and my stomach will jolt a little bit. And I'll remind myself that that actually did happen. And I don't think it's something that can be swallowed in an afternoon. I'm going to need so much time. I'm glad that I have many planes between me and home. 
next week because my God, I'm going to be doing a lot of writing and staring out of windows and simply being with all of this because it's such a powerful thing when your life completely changes. <laughs> well, I feel like I'm dreaming. This feels, it doesn't feel real yet, as Kate was saying. It's a lot to process, and today we're very tired. But I'm pretty sure tomorrow I will wake up with the feeling that this didn't happen. Like, it's too good to be true. And it was such a long wait for this day. And I'm feeling really, really, really happy about it. I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling strong. I'm feeling powerful. I'm feeling like I... I can actually do things that looked impossible to do because they look too hard to do. And it feels good to have been persistent. And just to think that six years ago, I was feeling um, powerless. I was feeling used. I was feeling abused and Now I'm feeling like this. It's so good. It was time for the women to leave. After Venice, Kate flew back to Montana via England, and Maria flew straight back to Portugal. They could finally close this chapter. And they felt satisfied that they and the other women of this story had the courage to speak up and get Dino Maglio convicted. We know stories of sexual abuse are all too common, and they usually don't have a happy ending. A lot of survivors stay quiet, or they blame themselves for what happened. Or they do speak out, and they aren't believed. Cecilia, the Earpy reporter, had a message for all the women out there who've been violated. So I would tell the women out there, that they always have to remember that, first of all, it's not your fault, whatever happens. And that's the hardest bit. Because after, I can say, I can state as a witness, and by justifying in front of all of you, and by, by witnessing in front of all of you, and not just in front of the court, the hardest bit, it's been that at the start, the very first time we spoke to Maria, Olga, and... Uh, Kate, they felt really guilty and and they were blaming themselves for what happened and slowly, slowly this thing started to twist into having to react into courage but I really seen this thing going away only very late so for six years they've been blaming themselves so first of all remember it's not your fault no matter what society at any stage makes you believe. It is not your fault. And secondly, remember that a man or any other human being that um, treats you with violence or any kind, even just verbal violence, does not love you. And I think this is true for any of us. It doesn't have to be a man or a woman. So... You know, always remember that love is a different thing. And in a way, maybe I can tell them that um, I love them.
What Cecilia is saying is really touching. And it's true. This whole journey took a lot of love and determination and fighting for what's right. The amazing and brave women of this story have impacted all of us working on this investigation. They've impacted me. I mean, think about it. It would have been much easier in some ways for these women to not speak up, to not have gone through this whole ordeal, for them to try and just go on with their lives. But that choice would have hurt their conscience and their souls in perhaps irreparable ways. And it would have left other women in danger. And that wasn't an option. Their sense of self-worth, self-preservation, and ultimately, their sense of justice is what carried them through to the end. They would not stop until their abuser was held accountable. No matter how hard it was, traveling to Italy, giving their testimonies, and pointing at their rapist in that courtroom. And that, well... It's just incredible to me. But as inspired as I feel, I'm also really, really angry about how this story unfolded. Think about all the unnecessary obstacles that they had to face. They did everything they were supposed to do. They carefully read the reviews of Dino's couch-stripping profile before staying at his house. They made sure he was verified. And when he turned out to be a total creep, they reported him to the police in their countries. And what did the police do? A lot of times, they did absolutely nothing. They didn't take these women seriously. And I want to know why. They didn't do their jobs. And it's outrageous. The women also reported Dino to couchsurfing. And yes, the company did respond to their complaints, but they would only do it in writing. They couldn't pick up a phone to actually talk to these women after they were drugged and assaulted. Also, couchsurfing security tools were unable to keep Dino from coming back over and over again and hurting more women. I mean, we know this firsthand. When we created our own couchsurfing profile, we found out just how easy it is to create a false identity on their digital platform. This is not reassuring at all. So all of this left the women with one choice, to take matters into their own hands. That's when they created a secret Facebook group where they could all band together, and they contacted the Earpie reporters to help them stop this serial rapist. And still... Even though they were able to get him convicted in the end, we know that this experience has seriously messed with their lives. I mean, some of the women have told us that they've experienced PTSD, depression, and anxiety since Dino assaulted them. It's taken a toll on their relationships and on their ability to trust. And they did nothing to deserve this. They have to live with it. And it's not okay. If more people would have cooperated and done their jobs, Dino could have been stopped a lot sooner. But let's be honest. This whole story speaks to a much larger problem that exists today. As a journalist, I like to ground things in numbers. So according to the CDC, 
one in five women in the U.S. will be raped at some point in their lives. Take a minute to think about that. One in five. Yet we know that most incidents go unreported. And get this. Of the rape cases that are reported, less than 1% of them will lead to a felony conviction. Now, as far as this case goes, the case of Dino Maglio, I wish I could end it there and tie it all up neatly in a bow. But life doesn't work that way. The truth is that the trial may be over, but this story isn't. Dino was sentenced to 12 years and 8 months in jail. But he's appealing his conviction, and that could take months, maybe even a year. Until then, he's still out there. He does have a curfew, and he has to sleep in his mother's house in the south of Italy every night. But beyond that, he can do what he wants. In fact, he's still posting stuff on social media now under a new identity. And some of it's pretty disturbing. So as far as I'm concerned, he's still a threat. Even though there are a lot of questions to be answered, rest assured, we're going to follow this story wherever it leads. Anything that we find out, we'll keep you posted. So stay tuned to this feed. We're not going anywhere. I'm Natasha Del Toro, and this is Verified. This season of Verified is reported by Alessia Tarantula, Cecilia Onassi, and Giulio Rubino of Irpi, Investigative Reporting Project Italy. It's written and produced by me, Natasha Del Toro, Suzanne Reber, Senior Producer Dan Bloom, Bruce Edwards, Rachel Aronoff, Joey Fishground, and Shreya Nandi. Additional production by Grant Hill. Our editors are Peter Clowney, Gianna Palmer, and Ellen Weiss. Engineering by Casey Holford, Bruce Edwards, and Robin Wise. Our theme and original music are by Allison Leighton Brown. Special thanks to Andrew Haig for our collaboration with Ground Source. We are particularly grateful to the many women who spoke with us, both on and off the microphone, and trusted us to tell their story. Verified is created by Suzanne Reber and executive produced by Suzanne Reber, Ellen Weiss, Peter Clowney, and Chris Bannon. The show is produced by Scripps Washington Bureau in collaboration with Witness Docs, a Stitcher network. There's so much more for you to discover about this story and what's coming up on the show. You can find us on Twitter, at Verpod, and at VerifiedPod on Instagram and Facebook. Or you can write to us at VerifiedPod at Stitcher.com. If you like the show and believe in this kind of storytelling, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It'll help more people discover Verified. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.